0: Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. When it's time to get some new windows or a new door, you got to go with Pella. Why? Well, first of all, they can provide window and door solutions to any home. But most importantly, they got great People, and that's what matters. Brian, Clint, Steve, Vince, the whole gang, they're all great. And you know what's also great is knowing that you're going to be working with the great people at Pella and only Pella the entire time. Do you realize when you go with some other window companies, questions all of a sudden start popping up like who's going to install it? Who's going to pre finish it? And before you know it, you're working with like four or five different people. Ugh, massive headache. You want the convenience and simplicity of working with one company, not three or four. That is Pella. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's Pella. Omaha.com. All right, it is uh, it's Wednesday, September 2nd, and it's about three o'clock in the afternoon. I got a handful of, you know, just crazy things that I want to talk about with the Big Ten saga and what college basketball season could look like. But I, I want to start with this. I'm so honored and so thrilled to tell you that the Nick Bob Podcast has a brand new sponsor on board. Runza. Yes, Runza. I, I gotta tell you, as an as a Nebraskan born and raised, runza holds a special place in my heart. Runza is it's a Nebraska staple. Like it is. And to have them on board with my podcast is it's a thrill. Seriously, it, it it really is. Quick story before I get into their their read and we get things going. One of one of the happiest days of my life was when I found out that there was a runza in Lawrence, Kansas, my freshman year at playing basketball at KU. unbelievable day so you know i was a little homesick like almost everyone is when they leave home for college and i remember driving around lawrence it was on iowa street kind of the main street in there and all of a sudden boom i look off to my left and there it was runza i was like what i darn near crashed my car you know it was like remember the scene in forrest gump when Forrest is on his boat and he sees Lieutenant Dan on the dock, and he just jumps off the boat to go see him because he's so excited, and the boat crashes. That's how it was for me when I saw Runza. I I see Runza. I basically jumped out of my moving car, ran over to Runza. My car crashed into like Allen Fieldhouse or something like that. But it was it was it, it was great. Man, I got to know all the people at Runza, the manager, all that stuff. I I would go there like once a week for a little taste of home. And, and that's what it is to me, you know? Not only is the food delicious, it's home. It's nostalgia. It is all that. So uh, welcome aboard Runza. I am thrilled to be working uh, with Runza. So uh, I just wanted to give that little story about time almost crashed in Lawrence, Kansas when I found out there was a Runza. So let's knock this read out uh, and uh, by the way, the copy for these things are, are great that they sent me. These are, I'm telling you, this is what they sent me to read. I, I, they're they're awesome. So uh, here we go. The Dick Bob podcast is brought to you by my friends at Runza. Now you guys know I was a quarterback in high school, but you know I believe in establishing the run game and even more than that, I believe in establishing the Runza game. That's an original Runza cheeseburger. That's onion rings, double dipped in homemade batter. That's a little pop to maybe top it off oh gosh in football you got to establish the run at lunch you establish the a game it's that simple get to runza today and get yours and tell him your friend nick ba sent you all right uh so shouts out to runza but uh real quick before we get into the crazy soap opera that is the big 10 and the latest on college basketball i got an announcement as well i'm just full of announcements today so i put it up on on twitter and facebook uh with nebraska football season canceled Former Husker linebacker, Bo Rude and I, we are launching Husker Classic Recaps. So it's it's on the Nick Bob podcast feed. So they're like, is there another podcast feed? You got to subscribe to or anything like that. But we are so fired up, so fired up. With Nebraska football season canceled right now, to me, I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I am got that pit in my stomach. That void is gone. I'm, I'm just, I'm distraught. And I felt like the only remedy for no Husker football was classic Husker football. So each week for the next 13 weeks, Bo Rude and I will watch a classic Husker game and then recap it on the podcast. People seem to really love our recap pods to the games last season. So we wanted to keep that going in some form or fashion. So we are 13 weeks all classic Husker games. Uh, make sure you you go to my Twitter. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Nick Baugh, or, uh, or my Facebook page. And you can find the schedule of the 13 weeks, the 13 classic games. To name a few, we got 2001 Nebraska-Oklahoma stunts to crouch, baby. We got the game of the century, 1971 Nebraska-Oklahoma. Uh, 95 Fiesta Bowl beat down Nebraska-Florida. 83 Orange Bowl, C- Coach Osborne going for two. Against the Hurricanes, 94 Orange Bowl. All the classics are there. We kick things off, though, with one of my favorite Nebraska games of all time. 1997, number one Nebraska at Missouri. That's the Matt Davison catch. Just an incredible moment. I'm going to rewatch that game on YouTube. And then uh, me and Bo, we will have a full in-depth recap of that game. dropping on the pod next week. So watch out for that. I think you're going to love it. Make sure you're subscribed to the Nick Bob podcast because you do not want to miss any episodes of Husker Classic Recaps. I cannot wait. Okay, so here we go. Um, l- let me, I'm going to be honest with you guys for a second. So I've in my 11-year media career, 11 or 12 years, been in the media, doing radio, TV, now podcasting, I've avoided talking politics like the plague. I've just avoided it at every turn. I have. Maybe here or there, I've, I've felt like maybe a po- the political angle of the story collided with the sports story to the point where y- y- I had to at least address it. That's how it was with, for example, the Colin Kaepernick situation. Because even in, it, it spilled into Nebraska and Michael Rose Ivy, remember, in, I think it was in 2016 when he was t- like, you could it. just you couldn't just totally evade that topic, right? The political angle had collided with the sports story. So you dive into it a little bit. But I, I for the most part I've avoided it. And I've heard Colin Coward use this analogy, and it's so true. Uh I, I viewed my radio show and now my podcast like I'm driving down the interstate, okay? The, the interstate I eighty, for example. People know that. And the interstate is sports. So I'm I'm on I'm in that lane of sports. That's where I want to stay and probably need to stay. Now, I can occasionally exit off the interstate and talk politics or movies or pop culture, something. But I I better treat it like I'm just filling up gas and maybe going to the bathroom and then get right back on the interstate, which is sports. That's kind of been my thought. That's been my approach. Now, that's not to say that I don't have any political beliefs or thoughts. I just make a personal choice to structure my content that way. Because the reality is, You start talking politics, you are going to instantly piss off 50% of your audience, depending on what your opinion is. It's just, that's just how it is. Doesn't matter how you frame it or position it or whatever. It's just the nature of the political world. You go there, you're going to alienate half your audience, half your listeners. And... You know, you combine that with what my audience is probably listened to me for. You know what what they what they download the pod for, what they listen to me on the radio for, what they all that stuff. And I, I just, you know, I mean, I think I think content selection, topic selection is one of the more it's it's so important in our industry. It's just it's so important. And so you know, naturally, the topics you choose to talk about and not talk about really, really important. So you know, I've I've just. I've tried to really avoid political talk whenever I can. And now that's not to say I look down in my nose at sports media people who engage in politics. Again, everyone has a choice to make with the content they produce. And I respect that. I, I, I respect that. I say all that to say this Big Ten football story is officially political. There's there's no real way to avoid the politics of this story and still talk about the story you can't you can't now for about a month while the story has evolved you get the schedule released and then the season canceled and then nebraska's trying to continue to field the schedule and then they can't and then you're trying to wonder why they canceled and then the parents and the players sue etc cetera, etc cetera. so while the story itself has evolved the talking points have somewhat largely stayed the same. Like I feel like from a, a lot of the the podcasts I've recorded, whether it's Vers or Mitch Sherman or Bo Rude, like a lot of the stuff I've been saying, have it's been a lot of the same stuff until now. Because to me, the story has has taken a big turn, and it's the story is officially political. Over the past five, six, seven days, and it's just crazy to, that. We're, it's just crazy over the past five, six, seven days, Big Ten football has now become a chess piece in a political presidential campaign warfare from both sides. I mean, you talk to some people and they'll tell you this thing has been political the entire time. And you know what? You know, they're probably right. You're you're probably right. But the thing is, now it's out in the open. Now it is out in the open. The moment I saw The Joe Biden ad with the drone shots of empty college football stadiums and those stadiums just so happen to be Michigan Stadium, Michigan State Stadium, Wisconsin Stadium, Penn State Stadium, which are are obviously battleground states for the upcoming November election. But the moment I saw that ad. Because the ad was, you know, Trump put America on the sidelines, all that stuff. The moment I saw that ad, I immediately went, "Uh oh, oh no, oh no, oh no." Because I knew what the, it's. Because I'm not surprised with when with what happened next. That ad sparked Trump to tweet. No, I want Big Ten and all other football back now. The Democrats don't want football back for political reasons, but are trying to blame me and the Republicans. Another lie, but this is what we are up against. I saw that tweet, and my response was, Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, God, no. And then here we are a few days later, and Trump and Kevin Warren spoke on the phone. Trump tweeted uh he he tweeted the following had a very productive conversation with kevin warren commissioner of the big 10 about immediately starting up big 10 football would be great for everyone players fans country on the one yard line and i saw that tweet oh boy oh lord oh goodness oh my god (laughs) then there was the report that the the U.S. government was going to use a portion of the hunt of the uh, 150 million rapid tests they purchased, they were going to use a portion of that to be sent to the Big Ten for football. At this point, you got yourself a full fledged political story. The Big Ten is officially caught in the crosshairs of political warfare. This isn't about football or whether or not Joe Biden or Donald Trump truthfully give a crap about football being played. I mean, it's not for Trump. If he truthfully was passionate about what college football means to the country and bringing it back, then how come he hasn't reached out to the Pac-12 about immediately reinstating Pac-12 football? They've canceled football. They canceled it right when the Big Ten canceled it. But no call from Trump. No earmarked portion of the 150 million tests to be sent to the Pac-12 conference. Nope. It's just the Big Ten. Why? Because it's solely political. Biden doesn't care about Big Ten football. He just cares about, he just cares to use Big Ten football as a political pawn in a campaign ad. And Donald Trump doesn't care about Big Ten football. He cares to use Big Ten football as a political pawn. Neither side cares about the players or the coaches or the conference. They care about votes in November and whatever it takes to secure them. That's the truth. That's the truth. So what do we do now? You know, like I, I, I can't be alone in just hating that a sport that I love, college football, and in particular Nebraska football in the Big Ten, is now officially swept up in full-fledged politics. I just hate it. I hate that. Because I, I, I'm just like you, man. I just want to see Big Ten football in particular. I want to watch Nebraska football. I, I, I don't want a lot. just want to see that. And it's remarkable to watch where this situation has evolved to. It's just sad. The politics, the inconsistencies, the lack of transparency, the the lack of truthfully caring about what the people involved are are going through. And it, it's all just so demoralizing, man. It just is. It's just demoralizing. You know, it's one of those things like if it's canceled, it's canceled. But let's hope it's canceled for the right reasons. And if you play, great. Then let's hope you're playing for the right reasons, too. And so I, I don't know how it's gotten like this. I really don't. It's, it's kind of amazing to say out loud. Like imagine if if everything you would have taken this podcast and played it for if I'd have played it for myself back in like March or April, I'd have been like, what? Huh? What? But here we are. All I know is that, you know, the heartache and the frustration is real, man. It's real. And I, I don't know if that heartache has really even fully hit yet. That's what's scary. Because I know for me, last week, seeing high school football being played, you know, I hop on Twitter and Creighton Prep's playing, and Elkhorn South is playing, and Millard North is playing. And then on Saturday night, I sit down on my couch, and I turn on ESPN, and I see FCS college football being played. Austin P is playing Central Arkansas. And my reaction to seeing both high school football and college football was different than most, I think. Most were excited, like, oh, football, yeah. And I guess deep down inside, I was too. Like, I mean, I was. But the prevailing emotion, the elephant in the room or the elephant in my heart, in my head, in my soul was pain and frustration because of what the status of Nebraska football and Big Ten football is. To see high school football and college football being played and knowing that Nebraska right now isn't going to play this fall, it just hurts. It just hurts. And and it's one thing to know and say, yeah, Nebraska not going to play, and that that makes you feel some type of way, right? You're feeling not good about it. It's something to 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 say that. It's something to to know that and see other football being played. That just adds a layer to it, because seeing those games last weekend made the reality of the situation sink in at a level that that hadn't happened yet for me. And listen, that's just watching Elkhorn South highlights and Central Arkansas play. Imagine what it'll feel like in a couple of weeks when you turn on the TV and Oklahoma, LSU, Iowa State, Notre Dame, they're all they're all playing. And Memorial Stadium is sitting empty. The sadness and frustration is going to be overwhelming, man. And for me, the frustration and sadness of no Husker football is one thing, but it goes to a totally different level when you look across the country and try to make sense of the inconsistencies of who's playing and who isn't. My fifth grade nephew can play football, but Adrian Martinez can't. Bellevue West can play football, but Ohio State can't. Elkorn South. Elcorn South can play football. L. Robinson can't. What? Think about that and tell me your brain and heart doesn't just explode. Look at I brought up Ohio State. Look at, a, look at just a state like Ohio. You know, youth football, they can play. High school football, they can play. The University of Cincinnati, they can play. They're in the AAC. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns can play. But Ohio State. Can't play. Now just just try to make sense of that in any sort of logical way. Youth football, high school football, University of Cincinnati, Bengals, Browns, all that, yep, guys, go play. Ohio State, nope, no, 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 no. You can't do it. Can't make logical sense in it. And that's just it. When when you are experiencing frustration, when you're experiencing frustration and anger and pain and sadness, and, and the logic around you doesn't fully add up, to me, those emotions just amplify. It's one thing to be hurt and being able to kind of wrap your head around it. It doesn't necessarily change the hurt, but you're like, you can understand it. But when you're when you're hurt and you're sad and you're frustrated and you're angry and and it doesn't all add up, it's like pouring gasoline on those emotions, man. And now add the fact that it's officially political too, It's just a brutal spot for all of us to be in. So say a prayer for your emotional state the next few months, because something tells me that the roller coaster is just getting started. The roller coaster is just getting started. All right, I want to shift to, uh, I want to talk some college hoops here, because I want to get into the latest with college basketball season and what that might look like. Um, First of all, before before we dive into that, let's I want to take a step back and I want to lay I want to lay all this out for you guys with with college basketball and what a season could look like and you know, is it going to be seen lost. I think college basketball has a handful of things going for it and its ability to play a season. Number 1, it is the last of the major sports to start. So they've had the benefit of sitting back and watching what has worked and what hasn't? Okay, that's one. All right, let's take a quick break, talk about Runza. You know, they're not just uh, sponsoring the show. They've given me permission to let you in each episode on a new super secret menu item that is you know, just for, for me and you, you know, the Nick Bob podcast listeners. This week, I'm going to tell you about the extra crispy. Runza makes the best fries in America. We know that, duh. And they double dip those onion rings in homemade batter. But if you want to take your fries or rings to the next level, next time you stop in, Narunza, just ask for your fries or rings to be extra crispy. Trust me. Say it when you order, and they'll give your fries or rings a little extra love on that fryer. Then they'll open that Pella drive through window, a little cross-promotion there, and hand you the most perfectly hot crispy fries or rings you've ever had in your life. You're going to wonder how you ever had fries or rings before. They're the most incredible wingman to a runza, a, a burger, a chicken sandwich, but they're only on the super-secret menu brought to you exclusively by... Yours truly, the Nick Ba podcast for my friends at Runza. So stop into Runza today, get your extra crispy game right, and tell them Nick Baugh sent you. And while we're here, let's talk about Pella windows and doors. You know, even though we're still in the midst of a pandemic, Pella can safely make your window and door remodeling dreams come true. Pella is following CDC guidelines and taking safety extremely serious. To give you the peace of mind that when you're inside the Pella showroom or Pella is working on your home, everyone is safe. And they're even offering temporary special financing options. Safety, check. Potential savings, check. So now is the time. I'm sure you've been cooped up inside your house and you've realized looking out your windows you're like man i need some new windows need some updating make it happen add value to your home make your home and more energy efficient turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with pella check them out on the web pellaomaha.com that's pellaomaha.com all right back to the podcast and two within that time has been an ally for college basketball. They've they've had the luxury of waiting and allowing medical advancements with treatments and most importantly testing to unfold. Number 3, college basketball is a more unified is more unified and has more of a common goal than college football for instance. One of the things if you think about it, one of the things that is that was revealed with, with COVID and college football is just how fractured and frayed the sport of college football really is. When you know what hit the fan with COVID and, and college football and all this stuff, when, when you know what hit the fan, every conference was looking out for themselves Power Fives didn't care about other Power Fives. Power Five conferences didn't care about Group of Five conferences. FBS didn't care about FCS, on and on and on. And when it came right down to it, there was no unified, we're all pulling in the same direction approach at all with college football. That's different with college basketball they're all more so under the same NCAA umbrella because the NCAA tournament being the big event for that sport which obviously the NCAA controls that inherently changes the dynamic of things so they are they are all unified with that and unified with the motivation of having an NCAA tournament which we'll get into more in a second plus college basketball has a centralized voice and pseudo governing body with the NCAA and then Mark Emmert and most importantly, Dan Gavitt, senior vice president of basketball that matters when navigating a situation like this. And number four, lastly, it's been established that bubbles work. Look at the NBA, look at the WNBA, look at the NHL. Bubbles work and creating a bubble for college basketball is way easier than creating a bubble for college football a football team has 80 to 100 guys on it plus coaches and trainers whereas a basketball team has what 12 to 15 guys plus coaches and trainers you're looking at uh, you're you're looking at 20-ish people compared to 100 plus people that's a big difference so there's that as well So there's a handful of other things that make a big difference that I'll get into. But I kind of wanted to lay all that out first. But before we get into what I kind of see potentially unfolding with college basketball this season and what it could look like, when thinking about whether college basketball is going to happen or not, just keep just keep this in mind. It's been reported, I think it was in the New York Post, you've seen RAS talk about it, I think in the Omaha World Herald, different stuff, it's, it's been reported, CBS, Matt Norlander's been all over it. It's been reported, and I have heard the same thing, that college basketball conferences and college basketball at large, they have been working on and been in discussions on bubbles and locations for bubbles and logistics for bubbles for months, months, Mark Emmert, president of the NCAA, and Dan Gavitt, senior vice president of basketball, have both publicly said they are open to a bubble. The NCAA this week trademarked Battle in the Bubble. The NCAA tournament generates about $950 million for the NCAA. They can't go two years in a row without an NCAA tournament because of the financial reality of it. So it is Vital for their survival to have an NCAA tournament. And you can't have an NCAA tournament without some kind of a regular season. You add all that up and then ask yourself, will there be a college basketball season? I think we know what the answer is. So you start there. You start there. And then this week... So so you kind of start there and then, you know, so you kind of work backwards with, okay, motivation for the NCAA tournament. Here we go. Now, this week, there was a a potentially big domino that that could fall in terms of continuing to iron out what college basketball season could look like. And the first thing that needed to get set is a start date. When is college basketball beginning? Well, according to reports. The Men's and Women's Basketball Oversight Committee will propose a start date of November 25th to the Division One Council for the 2020-2021 season. And barring some big change or unforeseen event, they will officially approve that on September 16th. So we got a start date and it's November 25th, which is the day before Thanksgiving. Which which leads me to another advantage that college basketball has going for it. And that is the way the academic calendar falls. The first semester of uh, the academic calendar is going to end in mid-November. A week probably before Thanksgiving. And second semester, the spring semester, doesn't start until mid-January. Like January 12th. So you have from mid-November till January 12th. That is a golden window for college basketball to play as many games as possible in what I think will be bubbles across the country. You have about a seven-week or so window where college basketball can get super aggressive with trying to play as many games as possible. The players aren't in class during that time. The college basketball programs, even outside of a pandemic, they're usually... I mean, we're all together. College basketball teams are together during winter break. And college basketball programs usually have to feed the team and house the team during that time anyways. So you're afforded the luxury of timing and functionality to potentially create a bubble and play a bunch of games, which is what I think they will do. My guess as to what this will look like and things can change because shoot things change week to week here whether it's with advancements in testing and i mean shoot there are a bunch of vaccines that are getting into like the final stages of approval and stuff i mean so things can change but as i sit here on september 2nd wednesday about 3 30 in the afternoon this this, is my guess is is this is what this is going to look like is this the most important thing to make sure you get in if you're college basketball is conference games. And I get it, man. Everyone wants to see the non-con played as it is. Everybody loves the Maui Invitational. You love the, you know, the, the Gavit games, Big East, Big Big, Big Ten. Like, I, I get it, man. But I think in some ways, it feels like that ship, I don't want to say it's completely sailed, but it's it looks bleak. And maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe the improvements of rapid testing and all that will afford college basketball the luxury of playing a regular non-conference, but I doubt it. So what I would do is I would make conference bubbles starting November 25th. So there'd be a Big East bubble, a Big Ten bubble, an ACC bubble, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Get everyone inside a bubble. Each team inside that bubble play three or so games a week to get in as many conference games as possible. And in my opinion, doing conference play right away is the way to go for a, a couple of different things. Number one because you don't know you you don't know what the future looks like. You you don't know if there will be a second window for a bubble outside of an NCAA tournament and you need to make sure you get in some conference games when you have the chance. Plus, the reason I like doing a conference, you know, Conference bubble right away is just the logistics of budgets and TV contracts and similar goals for everybody inside the bubble as, bubble as a collective unit. They're all there with a conference so so executing a bubble and having a bubble with your conference is likely easier to do than all right we got a a summit league team we got a we got a Pac 12 team we got a valley team we got like you're you're talking about different budgets different that different that all uh, tv contract well they're on stadium they're on cbs well they're on fox like to me the more you can team up with people that are that are, you know, the logistics, the budgets, similar goals, TV contracts, geographical, all that stuff, the better. So that's why I I like conference right away. So the question then becomes, how long is this first bubble? Is it just November twenty-fifth to, you know, the Christmas holiday break? So it would be about November twenty fifth to December twenty-third. So four weeks of a bubble. And then you let people go home for Christmas. That's certainly one option. The only thing with that is sending all of the players home for for the holidays, home for Christmas, and then bringing them back seems like it's not the smartest move for containing the spread of COVID, right? A part of the reason they changed the academic calendar to what it is this year is they don't want kids going home for Thanksgiving and then coming back to potentially spread the virus. So with that in mind, the thing I was thinking about is, do you, do you keep everyone bubbled all the way till the start of second semester, which would be mid-January, about January 11th, January 12th? So do you, do you have everyone stay in the bubble for seven or eight weeks and potentially get almost double the games in? That's, that's certainly an option. And before you scream, you, oh God, you're gonna, you aren't going to let the kids go home for Christmas? keep in mind don't know if people realize this a lot of basketball players don't go home for christmas they stay on campus and they spend holiday the holidays with their coaches not everybody goes home dude not everybody does and oftentimes even if they do get to go home you get to go home for like two to three days and you're and, and you're back like i've i've, I've practiced christmas night or the, the the teams will likely be brought back christmas night or the 26th so just keeping them inside the bubble for the holidays isn't as crazy as it sounds it isn't so i if you ask me i think that's an option that that needs to be considered i really do so to me i think you have two options for the first window if you will And this is just me talking and what I would do. I have no inside information on this. I don't know. I don't think anyone really knows. What I I would do, conference-only bubbles, start date, November 25th. Within that, your first option is play November 25th to December 23rd. You play about three games a week. You get in about 12 games. You call it good for your first little bubble. Or your second option is play... Get in the bubble, play from November twenty-fifth to about January eleventh, play three games a week, and you'd get in about 20 games potentially. And then everyone kind of reassesses where things are at with, you know, the the virus and where all once second semester begins, January 12th. Now, maybe after that, maybe you do one more bubble before the NCAA tournament, or maybe that's it until the NCAA tournament. Who knows? I just think one of the one of the biggest things college basketball has going for it is the seven to eight week window from mid-November to mid-January when a school is out to get suit when school is out and you can get super aggressive and play as many games as you can to get in some sort of regular season. So I would go all in on that that that's kind of my thought you know you can you can sit there and i can understand the argument well nick if all these if the student bodies off of campus well then these campuses are pseudo bubbles because it's only the basketball team on them. yeah i could buy that so you know maybe playing a geographical non-conference schedule where you're bussing to everywhere like I, I can understand that but i don't think there's any doubt when it comes to what is a surefire safest way to do this it's a bubble it is a bubble Now, what does okay, so then what does second semester look like? What if what is what does it look like after January 12th? I'm not sure. The one thing I'll say is since there's a because I'm sure you can tell people like, oh man, how are you gonna justify having these kids in a bubble? It's like, okay, well, first of all, the first window, they're not in class. That's one. And two, a lot of schools are doing remote learning or options of remote learning. In all reality I'm if in all reality, if if Mitch if Mitch Ballock is taking some English class online what's the difference if he is on his in his dorm in Omaha or he's in a bubble in Indianapolis there is none there is none and so I'm sure since uh, since there's that and, and there's a lot of remote learning and all that stuff I'm sure you could maybe you could maybe do another bubble with all your players taking online classes from a bubble in second semester that's certainly possible I don't know I mean, bubbles aren't cheap either. So, I mean, you're doing the big difference between doing one bubble and two bubbles, depending on if you do a conference-only bubbles twice. So, that's certainly possible. So, what does second semester look like? I don't know. There are options within that. What does the NCAA tournament look like? I mean, I think the fact that you've had the NCAA trademark battle in the bubble, you've heard Dan Gavitt and Mark Emmert say they're open to a bubble. My guess is you're going to have four 16-team bubbles to start the NCAA tournament, and they'll whittle it down. They'll bubble the final four, and there you go. That's how I see it. It's guys, it's not going to be perfect. It's just not. I mean, there could be some teams that play and some that don't. There could be some conference. There could be some smaller conferences that don't play. And to the, I mean, sister, it's the nature of the beast right now. There could be some teams that play 25 games. There could be some teams that play 14 games, depending on bubbles and different factors and all that stuff. But keep the saying of perfect is the enemy of good in mind when digesting all this. Perfect is the enemy of good. It's not going to be perfect. So if your mission is for this to be perfect, you're going to fail. It's not going to be perfect, but she can make it as good as possible. And I, I brought this up earlier. The reality with this whole thing is you you work backwards, meaning like I think college basketball, you start from the goal of, OK, you have to play the NCAA tournament. So like obviously that's at the end of this. You, you start there and then you work backwards. So I think that's what that's kind of what is happening right now. They're like, Hey, we've got to play an NCAA tournament. All right. So let's figure out what the start date is. Okay. Boom. November 25th. And then they're just going to like, they're going to work it backwards. You just work backwards in assuring that that happens, that there is an NCAA tournament. And the most important thing is to have some form of a regular season. Right. You can't have an NCAA tournament without some regular season. And I happen to think conference bubbles is the best way to make that happen. And I get it, man. Trying to seed and field an NCAA tournament with 68 teams could be really hard. But you know what? You just make it work. You, you just make it work. How is BYU a three seed? They only played 14 games. but they, Who cares? Who cares? Just, you got to have a tournament. It's not going to be perfect. Perfect sending me good. So that's kind of how I'm seeing it right now. We, we have more than likely arrived at a start date of November, November 25th. And again, I think with how the academic calendar falls and having all those players on winter break allows you to get aggressive and do a bubble in that window. You play as many games as possible. During that window, you reassess where things are in second semester and you go from there with the end goal, of course, being play some kind of an NCAA tournament. It just has to happen. Again, NCAA makes, I think that in the last NCAA tournament, they made like 960 some odd, $967 million. NCAA made a little more than $960 million on the last NCAA tournament. And that's what funds everything, guys. Like, it's it's happening. It is going to happen how we get there we'll see but I'm confident we are going to get there All right, my thanks to Pella if you're thinking about a new window or a new door now is the time, check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com that's PellaOmaha.com and uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza, best fries on the planet great burgers, cheese Runza, delicious the food is simply fantastic Runza makes it all better Production.